You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So we have Scott Pask, who is a set designer for multiple Broadway shows such as Waitress, Mean Girls, The Band's Visit, Something Rotten, Finding Neverland, Book of Mormon, Hair, Pippin, and so many more. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mason. How are you? Good. How are you? Really good. Really good to be here today. So how did you get to where you are working on such high-profile Broadway shows? God, that's a, a, it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. I mean, it kind of starts, I think, with... Um, you know, finding the path and finding uh, what you love. And I found, I'm actually here in Tucson during um, this whole pandemic. And I grew up in Yuma and I wasn't exposed to a lot of theater. And Yuma is a small town, the southern tip of Arizona. And I loved houses and I, I studied architecture when I came here. And it was studying architecture where I really discovered that I was really interested in the quality and the feeling of, of interior space and actually emotional content and storytelling. And it was here where I was most exposed to theater because I didn't see much of it when I was a kid. And um, I would see the Tony Awards and think, oh my God, that's incredible. These people have this hobby. <laughs> like, when do they do it? Like, is she a dentist? Is she a doctor? And she's a teacher and you know, whatever. And, and this is what they do at night. How do they do that? And it was only later, which sounds sort of kind of naive, but it was only later that I figured out that, that was a, a profession and a career. And um, and I was always fascinated by the Tony Awards. And then my parents would go and see some touring shows off in San Diego or Phoenix and was always fascinated just looking through the programs. And especially uh, when I would see the Tony Awards and would see the costume sketches back in the day when they would show the artists and the lighting designers and they would you know, show these incredible production photographs and then the set design models and sketches. And that was all so fascinating. And so when I got here, loved my uh, my architecture education and I ended up pursuing um, some electives and some studies in the school of theater here and both colleges really kind of collaborated to let me do that because my architecture degree was a five-year program and it was pretty rigid with what what was um, you know what I was studying and uh, and likewise the prerequisites in the theater school but they saw that I was a good model maker and I was really serious about it and so when I got through that through the through my studies here, I really decided that I wanted to pursue that, and um, and I wanted to study with Ming Cho Lee. And I'm really kind of answering that question by telling you sort of about a pathway as opposed to like well, how did I get there? Because how you get there is sort of there are moments of discovery I think that happen all the way along, and it's I think it's important that you listen to your instincts and follow your passions and the things that make you happy and 
I've been really lucky to have a lot of, of great people and educators and friends and that you know, have really kind of urged me to you know, keep following your dreams. And I always drew. I, I drew as, as young as I can remember. And those things that make you happy and you start kind of weaving them together. And for me, it was space, storytelling, drawing, and, all, all, and, then, and then just the live experience of theater. They all came together to, to be this, I don't know, end of the rainbow for me in a way. And, and so I studied and got my master's at Yale under Ming-Cho Lee, Jane Greenwood, Jennifer Tipton, Jess Goldstein, Steve Strawbridge, these brilliant, brilliant educators and, and brilliant artists in their field. And, uh, and then was lucky. It's just like one foot in front of the other. I, I was very lucky to meet when I was in between my, I think it was my second and third year. I um, was assisting a designer in New York who, I was a, working in independent film when I got to New York. I was an art director and I was an art, de- art director and set decorator. And I kind of left that because my dream was really theater. And I love them both. And I felt like architecture, film, television, and then theater, it's all kind of the sphere. You just kind of, for me, it was like they all satisfied different like aspects of the passion that I have for, for storytelling and spatial design. And I, um, I worked with um, this designer and on an opera that I was assisting her on, the director's assistant was Diane Paulus. And Diane was in the master's program at uh, Columbia. And then we got to be friends. And so when we both graduated from school, we ended up doing fringe, like when the fringe just started, some projects together. And one of those was the donkey show. And the donkey show we did at the piano store down in Lower East Side. I mean, we did it for a dollar and a dream. And it became this really big hit there. And then it was picked up and we did an off off broadway version of it and we tra- we took that show to a few different places and and somewhere along the line that was where I, I remember getting a phone call and i was i was also i did a little bit of assisting as well and uh i worked on a show called the Miniola twins that i co-designed and things just started kind of coming together and when i i got a call about doing a show called you're in town and I think they'd seen the work that I'd done because it was very installation and immersive um, theater for the donkey show. And they wanted an approach to Urinetown uh, for that play or that musical, actually. And I'd just been doing a few off-Broadway projects and just kind of you know, one project to the next. And I, I was lucky in that I had a little apartment. I didn't have a ton of overhead, so I could choose those projects carefully and um and then Urinetown happened and Urinetown was a huge hit off Broadway and then um we got great reviews and then we were going to tr- transfer to Broadway and so that was my first Broadway show and we were in previews when 9-11 happened and we were supposed to open on uh September 12th um 2001 and when that happened I think I mean, I'm sure a lot of us felt like, oh my God, what is going to happen? I mean, not only to just New York, but to like everybody sit in there in that city and, and, and life in general and how was it going to change? And it was, I think, through the fortitude of, of the citizens of New York and the leadership at that time and everybody kind of banding together and saying, you know, we're not going to like let the city fall apart because of this horrible act. And, you know, within a few weeks, we were open and people were going to restaurants and supporting sporting events and supporting local retailers. It was this big kind of banding together to kind of get people into supporting the local community. And so this is a sort of rambling answer to the question, but Urinetown was like 
was a big step for me. And then from there, other shows followed. And um, I guess people, I mean, hope they like what they saw. And then that led to another project. <laughs> but I've been very lucky and I, I love what I do and I, I work hard at it. And I, I hope I'm a great collaborator because I think that's probably the most important part of it. What are some of the aspects of set design that people don't notice? Yeah, set design, sometimes a lot of it is a little, um, you know, behind the curtain sort of thing. Um, I, I think a lot of people don't even under, don't know the process that it takes to, to do a set design. And, you know, it starts with, first of all, is that phone call from the director, the producer, and, and then the script or the description of the dance or an opera or whatever that project will be. I think some of, and that process is, can be a long one. And the investigation, a lot of research, I love research. And um, even if it's, if the set ends up being a complete departure from that research, I think having information that influence, it will influence something, even if it's a small hand prop. I think a lot of things that go unnoticed are, are the, the, the degree of detail and props on stage and hand props and everything that's chosen. Like I'm, I'm responsible for that as well. Uh, if it's not a costume prop, but most like everything that you know, someone will touch. And that's why I sort of love interiors and, and things like that. So that's something that I think very often goes unnoticed. And I think that also, you know, every seat in the, the theater has been considered. You know, sometimes people will like you're off on the, the far extremes left and right. And we know that those those seats are all tiered and, and you know, hopefully responded to in the matrix of, of sales, but we, I've studied that proscenium and what each of those views are very specifically. Um, so it's a very intended view for, for the audience. And another thing like automation and moving pieces, you notice them when they're loud, but people really don't notice them when they're seamless. And I think the best, you know, the engineers and the people that work with us so often are so brilliant. And, um, and when they do their job so brilliantly, it's almost unnoticed. You know, something glides on. It's only when, oh gosh, the piece of scenery stopped on stage last night at blah, 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 whatever show. And everybody like, it goes all over the web. And, you know, it's, that stuff is kind of exciting. And, and that's the point of previews, working that all out. But that's when people kind of really get a little, a moment of like, oh, wow, there's a lot of complex moving pieces in this piece. If it's, if it's something like that. Other times it's, you know, it's, each moment, is, each live show is different from the next. And I think that's the beauty of live performance. So when you first get the script or a job offer and read through it, how do you find ways to design that show? Um, I think it really depends on, on what the piece is first. Is it a play? Is it a musical? And where, do we, where is the production starting? And um, or for what theater or stage or space? Um, and, but it all starts with like a conversation. And it starts with, dialogue with the director the producer um that sort of community of, of creators um and then it grows sort of wider as we envelop and unfold um the other creative team members but yeah it's really and like depending on what it is if it's a, a, a revival of a play you know that script has been around or that that play has been around and it's like what's the approach to that like what's what's illuminating about doing that particular play or musical Today, if it's a revival, like what's the, we're seeing it through a lens that's different than the lens was when it was written or first produced. So there are a lot of questions, a lot of factors that go into um, how do you design a, a piece of material. How do you decide if a show will be realistic or more of an imaginative structure? Again, I think that's um, jumping off of the last one. I, it's a com that's a conversation with like a director. It can be like the dialogue can just be as 
you know, quick as like a phone call and some, some random thoughts that we're tossing around. And, but I think that, you know, the piece has been chosen for a reason. And so there's a passion behind that choice. And there's very often, most often, a sort of an approach or a point of view about that piece. Very quickly, you kind of hone in on um, what you want to illuminate about that, that story. And, um, and I think if it is something that requires or, or is maybe better told in a sort of unrealistic or unnaturalistic way, we kind of you can figure that out, I think, pretty quickly and then start you know, playing around with, with the direction and how do you apply the sort of less naturalistic approach to it. Um, and then there are also some play, like I would say, like, you know, a revival of a play sometimes it's, it wants to be done very naturalistically and because like the approach is not to illuminate it or put it into a kind of a different context. Sometimes it's just re simply redoing, like doing that play with another point of view about that, that narrative, but that narrative approach may not involve completely upending a physical environment. It it's, totally depends on the directorial approach and, and what the team kind of feels is best for the production that we're kind of walking into. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch -ch That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, when you are first thinking about a show, do you incorporate lighting, sound, projection ideas, or do you work around those later? I think they enter into the picture pretty quickly. Um, lighting is always really important to me. I mean, the specifics of it um, may come along later, but definitely it is something that I consider hugely important to my work because it's through the lens of the lighting designer how my work is really seen. You know, you know color is affected by the light, like darkness, lightness, like all of that is really like how how my work is 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 viewed by the audience so that becomes a really important collaboration to me and um and i love working closely with lighting designers and um yeah i think that's a projection sometimes if, if that's an approach i'm working on a project now where from day one that's been a, a very big consideration so um he's been on the the journey with us in that on that project from the from early days i mean i want to get some a few sketches down and a little bit of an approach and then we find the time when that that folding in of, of that artist is 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 best and i think i, I think it's great when people are, are involved early um it's, i think the collaborative imagination is always such a sort of rewarding process and and to, to have the all of us thinking on the same lines and we always will kind of come up with something 
you know, interesting, creative. And it's also just great to be in that sort of what I call the kind of sandbox and just pushing ideas around. And, and I enjoy that so much. So, um, and I find it very rewarding. What's the best advice you've gotten so far? God, um, you know, one of them is, like, I have a professor here who was really important in my architectural education and he um, specializes in interior design. I remember being here and early on, he just said, you know, you should think about a semester somewhere else. And, um, and I chose to study in Italy. And some, they hadn't done that from, my, from the College of Architecture. So I went with Syracuse to, I applied to go in their program to, to for Florence. And so I studied there for a semester. And so I think go, getting out and seeing the world and building up, at least for me, building up my visual vocabulary of, of history and art history has been so important. And um, learning about art and artists and, um, and their process of, of, of achievement and has been super illuminating. I also think that's something I said earlier. It's like if you are, are doing what you love, you'll be happy. And I think that that's something that you kind of always have to be reminding yourself. And I mean, I love what I do so much. And it doesn't mean sometimes there are tough days or, uh, you know, a long rehearsal or something like that. That's natural. But I feel so lucky to be doing it. And um, I mean, during this, you know, this pandemic, I feel so bereft by not having the work that I love around me at all times and those friends and collaborators that, um, that we're, you know, constantly lucky to be making art and theater. And, uh, um, I think getting back to that, I just, I'm so, I'm so hopeful that we'll get there soon. And I really hope that that, um, you know, happens because I, I'm really anxious to get back to it. <laughs> I'm fumbling because it has been a tough time. I, I'm not going to lie. It's, um, when you do something you love so much, it isn't a job. It's a passion. It's it, it's kind of you. I've built my life around the work that I love and the people that I love doing it with. And I'm lucky to be doing it with. And uh, so I hope that that's a driving force for everybody in what they do. And um, if you're one of those lucky few people who does love what you do and you feel like it's you found your calling, um, I think that's really important. Do you think you have benefited more from education or experience? in your path to becoming a set designer? I think both, for sure. I think the structure of education and, and being able to be in a, a context, like at the university here, University of Arizona here in Tucson, having the proximity of, of the architecture school, which, and it was through that that I discovered theater, really, because, I mean, the fine arts college was like across the, the way, and um, the proximity of those programs was was really helpful to me in higher education and um and just learning about what's available like what's available to you as a you know even potential career path because i didn't know all that much and being an architect is certainly i mean it's, and i still love it i mean i do work like that for myself and sometimes for others but um i am fascinated by all the possibility and um yeah, I, I think that education is really, really important. And then experience, it's, I think it, they work together really, really well. And, and for me, like education, travel, then finding, um, finding your way. I remember I, I, I got a really early internship on a film and I was a good draftsman. And so I would work on um, drafting locations and travel with the art director and when this, the film was happening. And 
and that was sort of my first step into that, um, you know, that, that medium. And then from there, I, I, it's just a sort of organic process. I ended up being at an event with some friends and a production designer was there. She said, oh my God, I heard you're working on this film. And so she, I interviewed with her and, and she hired me to be an art director on a film that she was doing. And it was that process that I ended up working with her for a number of years before I went back to get my um, graduate degree. And, um, and then on one of those films, I met a, a costume designer who had studied with the, the, the artist that I wanted to study with at grad school. And so it was helpful for, to get points of view and, and insight and input and advice from people. And it's always helpful to get, uh, even my friends in, in theater and the theater community are constant sources of inspiration and um, advice and everything. And especially now, I think, like, I think we all are leaning on each other through this time. And I think without them, I think we all see each other as a really tight knit, lucky family. And, you know, right now it's a hard time for us all. And we're all kind of holding each other through this in a way virtually. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a measure of both. I loved my education. I loved the architecture degree that I got here at the U of A. I loved my time at, at the Yale School of Drama, studying with Ming and Michael Jurgen and uh, in the set design department. I, I loved that. And it was also, I loved that I'd been able to work. I, I'd gone to grad school. I'd been in New York working for about four to five years, I think. And I was already kind of in the art direction, um, you know, discipline and film and, and getting, getting work and, and was busy. So it was taking a, ta- a break from that because it was the advice of someone else. So, you know, if you don't do this now and pursue those theater dreams, you know, when do you want to, when do you think you'll do that? And I said, you know what, I should reflect on that a little more intensely. And so I did. And, um, and that helped me make that decision to take a break, go to Yale, move to New Haven. And, and so I did that for three years. And that was such a rewarding time to, um, to be doing that and, and to come back into to New York after that. So the big question is, what are you doing during quarantine? <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I look around because I just looked outside. Um, I'm at, I have a home here in Tucson. Uh, it's been a, a place that I've loved since I went to school here. So I've had this home for about nine years, going up on 10. And so early on, I was in the early previews for a production of uh, Who's Afraid for, of Virginia Woolf that I was doing with, um, directed by Joe Mantello. Um, Scott Rudin producing, starring Laurie Metcalf, um, Rupert Everett, Russell Tovey. And, uh, um, and that was, uh, it was something I was so intensely proud of. And uh, I really, it was an intense period of time because you're working very hard on a, on a project. And I was getting ready to go back into um, uh, a production on of American Buffalo that was going to follow once we got those previews locked for Virginia Woolf, I was moving over to work and in, in, on American Buffalo with Sam Rockwell, Lawrence Fishburne and Darren Chris. And so it was a very intense period. And then this happened and I, um, yeah, I, 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 I had left the because I wasn't feeling great at the very beginning. And, um, didn't want to be in the room if I even had a sniffle. Cause I think we were all very sensitive to that. And so I, was out with a sort of not feeling hundred percent. And then this, then theaters closed and all of that turned out there was someone in our 
staff in the theater that had the virus and it was very quickly handled and and then we had our last performance on a Wednesday um and I guess that was that would have been the 12th um and my I have a twin brother and my twin just thought, the fluke was like you know what I, why don't I go tonight and I was like I always feel so protective of previews I'm like you know it's a little too early and um but I say you know what yeah why don't you go I'm here you'll represent and it'll be great and he's like he is just friends with so many people in the production and um, and he's a designer himself as well and, and, and a fashion director at Bergdorf Goodman and Neiman Marcus National. So he's got great taste and great style. And I always love his, his, it's very important for his point of view on my work and I want to hear his honest thoughts. And so he was able to see it and it turned out being to be the last show of, of Virginia Woolf. And he was blown away and, uh, and bath, like just loved it. And, uh, and then like last, then that was the last night. And so I'm rambling because it was just such a, it was such an abrupt end to in a very intense period of time prepping that show, and it was a it, it's a great example of a of a play that we did not do 100 percent naturalistically. It's very, very important that George and Martha and um, their guests are in a home that is believably a home, but ours took a surrealistic kind of deconstruction after you establish what you think you're going to be sitting in in that space the whole evening there are three basically three acts and in between the first and the second we started deconstructing things so people like things went away there was an atrium that left there was a stone fireplace that was gone there were books that were missing and you started seeing and then there was a space that got magically sort of deeper so it just started like focusing in on these people and by the end there's a quick curtain down between act two and act three and when that went out you came back and everything was gone. There was this enormous bookcase that stretched across the whole um, span of the theater. It was something like 80 feet long and it had gone out. There was a ceiling that had gone away and it was just like you were left with this big, basically a black box with a duplicate of the door upstage and these three sconces and then the staircase and the staircase had moved all the way upstage. So what it did, it gave you this precinct with the, the furniture and just the sort of life and the fight that had happened and, and, just that evening and the detritus of that evening was kind of left there in very stark relief. And then the very last moment, uh, Lori walks up the staircase and then the marriage continues. So I'm going to detail about a very specific project about what I'm doing during COVID is like, I'm, I'm lamenting the loss of so much art at this point and at this time, and not only the show that was very dear to me, but so many others. I know that Six was the musical. It was their opening night and they didn't have it because it closed. The, the decision was made to close theaters on that, that day. So what I've been doing since then is I, I came out here. And so that was a very abrupt departure to, to like, once we got the all clear that we were going to have three weeks, which we, we thought we were going to have was three weeks of a break. I came out here to kind of regroup. And, um, and then that obviously has been extended, extended, extended. So I've been here and I've been drawing and I've been working on projects that or in development. So I have an incredible team and uh, a fantastic woman who's worked with me for almost 20 years. And she and I are in touch daily. And we've been working on two projects pretty intensely and we're moving on to a couple of others because they've, they've reached different benchmarks in the, the development. So little by little, we've been kind of working on these projects with, you know, the dream in our eye to them, you know, opening hopefully sometime in early to mid 2021. And so I've been drawing. I do love drawing, and I've storyboarded a lot on um, one of these shows in particular. So keeping my hand um, 
I guess, practiced and, and busy is a good thing. And I love drawing. So I, I try to keep on top of that. And that's a good thing. But also being out of this house and being amidst uh, this landscape and, and the desert and all of that has been a, a kind of sanctuary for me right now. And um, so that's been really nice. And to be in contact and communication with the people in my, in my world and within my work and, and then to have my friends and the kind of a chosen family that's here um, nearby for support and, and just to be together here and there in our socially distanced ways has been really great. But yeah, so I've been out in Arizona and um, taking care of this place and uh, keeping an eye to the future and, and drawing. And <laughs> you got a very rambling introduction to uh, Virginia Woolf, but it was something that I'm so proud of. And I hope someday that we get to do it again. Um, and I totally forgot, I, Patsy Farron is, is the, uh, plays Honey, and she's a total genius. Russell and Patsy are both actors from England, and um, Russell's a pal. And they're, it's just such a, an incredible group of performances. And I'm just, I'm gutted that the world only got to see, I think it was like nine, I think we had eight or nine previews. But uh, so I guess that goes on into legend now. But, um, and there are museum shows and gallery exhibitions and music performances and so many other things, fundraisers and so many things like that, that I, we've been doing theater for millennia. And I, I hold steady to the, the sort of hope and uh, faith that this won't be interrupted for long in the scheme of things. We have to get back to this, the idea of communal art and and gathering of people it's just something that that we just have to find a way back i hope that's an answer to that question <laughs> um before we go do you have anything you want to add oh wow i think i just rambled my way through that whole thing <laughs> oh do i want to add anything i mean i think it's just like at this time i think people are so reflective and i i, I hope for you as you enter high school and you clearly are passionate about what you love and it's like keep that passion because that's what's going to keep keep you moving ahead and keeping you looking forward to doing the work that you want to do and, and what's gratifying to you. And I think that it's, it's also get out there and vote. You can't yet, but tell your older friends and your parents that, you know, we have to take charge of this. We have to take control and we have to vote and use our voice to make this, this change. This has to change. Uh, we have to have leadership that can, lead us in the right direction. That's an incredibly important thing. Um, other things to add, it's like follow your passions and like stay close to your friends. They're gonna, it's like, these are the times where your friends and your family, it's like it's, there's nothing else like that to, um, that support and that strength is what will get us all through any like adverse moments and these challenges. But also let's keep our hope alive and, and research thing, like find movies that you're loving and look at theater online and, and find things that are, keep you inspired. Look at museums that are starting to put out some online exhibitions and virtual gallery work. I think just keeping vigilant about your curiosity is always important. That's probably the biggest thing. I think be vigilant about your curiosity and, and that will always be a, a great guiding force. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this. Sure. Thanks for inviting me. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. 
They'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.